You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lyle and Lawson today. And our time is 8.04 a.m. Um, and, you know, five, sorry, got that wrong. But um, we've got our next quiz question for today. So you go in the draw. Just remember to state it or star it. So if you're wanting to play but you actually don't want to go into the draw, put a star there or just say just, you know, just uh, not in the draw, however you want to just put that. But here's our next quiz question. According to Deuteronomy 19.5, where could a man go for protection if he accidentally killed another worker? Interesting question. Hey, give, give that some thought. So according to Deuteronomy 19 verse 5, where could a man go for protection if he accidentally killed another worker? If you know the answer to that, give us your text on 0491-064-669. That number again is 0491-064-669. And you go in the draw for two books, A Thought from the Mount of Blessings and also A Thoughtful Prayer a Day. Two fabulous books. First one is on the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave where it says, Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit and more. He gave some radical new thoughts that are really relevant for us today and also about how having that devotional time with God. But hey, we've got a few text messages that are coming through today. And also just before I read those, we want to shout out again to Naracourt in South Australia, to our listeners out there. Um, we hope you're having a really fabulous day as well. Hey, hey, I found the origin of the name, by the way. Oh, it did you? It is based on an Aboriginal word. Oh, so, what's so the it's, word? it's actually, they're like, it's kind of like deformed over time into something else. So the original oh. word was... Uh, and I'll try and pronounce this correctly. It's Ganangakurt. Ganangakurt. That's a lot different. And then Very. over That's time, not even close. It, over time, it's turned into Narakor. Does that sound anything Spelt like with Narakor? Two O's. So, <laughs> so Ganangakurt, like, and it's G N A N G A dash K U R T. So I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but um, Ganangakurt, and it means uh, large waterhole or place of running water. Oh wow, lovely! And there's there are you know there there is water there, and there's even more, of course, that Mount Ganges. So how on yeah. earth did they ever butcher that <laughs> to actually, become narrow? This is the thing; they've got like a, a history of the etymological origin here. It's like okay, you know, it probably went from Nangakurt to Nangakurta to Narkut to Narkuda to Nari Court to yeah, and then just just goes on yeah, like, <laughs> just just developed yeah. over time. It so. just grew a life of its own. Interesting. So that's a bit like you know, just recently in Queensland, they've renamed Fraser Island to the Aboriginal original Aboriginal name. That happened only about oh, two, three weeks ago, I think, or something. So I just think, you know, even Fraser Island wouldn't be anything close to the original Aboriginal name. And that's probably happening in just so many ways with that. But just, you know, fabulous. go, go, go the Aboriginal people, hey, with they, they had it right with some of those names and then it all just got changed. <laughs> La la, your reaction. You still can't get it on your face. I can see it. Hey, look, you know, Bruce and Liz have texted in saying, what a great team you are today. Thanks, Bruce and Liz. We really appreciate your feedback with that. And, um, and yeah, we've answered Kathy's question of where is Michelle? There's some questions coming in too. Uh, yeah, Wayne says, good morning, Pastor La. Remember to turn your worship alarm off. It's off. It's off. <laughs> it will typically go off at 8.14. Actually, is it off? 
<laughs> oh, it might not it's be. Not, there you check. go, just in time. Let me double, check, time, that. Let me double check that. Is it off, Lyle? He's just checking. Okay, it's, it's off now. now. <laughs> it's off now. <laughs> Lucky we read that one out too. So thank you, Wayne, for reminding him. Otherwise, we'll get it coming through that through to you guys. It also says, please tell the difference between Orthodox Christian and SDA and why. Okay, that Orthodox- one's coming up in question of the day. Yes. Yep. Um, that'll be in a couple of weeks' time. Absolutely. So there's some more. And also, Braden says these school councillors are pure evil when. God comes back, they will be held accountable for the results of their accusations. Children are children and they need to be protected from these predators because this is all they are. Pedophiles have only become more cunning in their abusive tactics. Absolutely. You know, it's just shocking, you know, what we're hearing here and about the sages law that Lyle shared earlier. And also, yeah, just that what, what's happening um, on the increase in that space. So. Yes, I'm going, to, I'm going to do something super controversial right now that I've probably never mm. done before. Am I, am I allowed to be controversial? I'm going to... You have a controversial streak. So I watched the movie. I watched the movie (laughs) Sound of Freedom. Oh, yes. Um, It was powerful. Mm -hmm. It was very impacting. It's about. What were some of the key things in there? So it's about child sex trafficking. Mm. And this is something that we should rise up as a world, regardless of our race, our ethnicity, our religion, or our politics. This should be the most bipartisan crusade that has ever taken place is to stop child sex trafficking right Absolutely, now. Absolutely, 100%. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about abuses of the past, and fair enough, we can talk about those, but what we need to focus on is what we can actually change, which are the abuses of the present. Absolutely. And, you know, you talk, you, some of the stats that they bring out in that, in that there are more people in slavery in the world right now than what there was when slavery was legal. And isn't that shocking? Because the thing is, it's so unknown. People think yeah. it's not out there. Whereas back then, slavery was such a known thing. Yeah, because it was legal. Nobody, That's right. nobody hit it back then. And we need to be solving today's problems before mm-hmm. we solve yesterday's problems. That's just my little Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. Hey, and it's just like, and it starts with just one person at a time doing it, doesn't it? Every, every little bit of difference makes a massive difference in the long run. And so... Absolutely. So, yeah, once again, um, yeah, just keep your text rolling in. We are getting all of them today, which is really exciting. Heaps of answers also too. We think we're getting them all. Well, yeah, well, we could be missing a few. That's right. And it After is yesterday's jump- effort. <laughs> but certainly loads more. And it is jumping while we're actually reading some of those. But, hey, it's come time for us to go into our encounter with God time. And, of course, we're looking at the book of Ephesians, continuing into Chapter 5. And this week we're looking at husbands and wives together at the cross. And we're looking at a passage that sometimes has been quite taken out of context and misconstrued. And, you know, people say that it can actually give the leeway for men to be the head over the wives. And, and in some cases, you know, people will say that it gives them the, 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 the rights in some ways, which is shocking to hear, but that they can actually lord it over the women and actually, you know, for um, abuse them. And so, here in this passage, we're actually unpacking what what Paul actually says. And so the, the whole context we've got to remember this passage in is that Ephesians is about unity, particularly within the church and church members. That, and as believers, we are to be different because we are through that witnesses to to outsiders, you know, and to the world of, of Christ. But secondly, it's in the context of what happens, uh, what Paul says at the start of Ephesians 5, that we are to be imitators of God and to walk in his love. Um, Lyle, can you just read for us again, bring us back into Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 33, please. 
Okay, beginning in verse 21, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, Mm. that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He He that loves his wife loves himself. Where are we supposed to get up to? 33. Please. 33. Okay, right mm. down to the end. Uh, for, no man, for no man ever yet hated his own body, but nourished and cherished it, as, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and those two shall be one. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless... Let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Mm, Beautiful. Hey, and so what we're finding here, of course, is that that uh, that the the marriage, the physical marriage that that Paul is talking about relates to the church and vice versa. He's saying the the marriage between Christ and the church as well. And La, you're married. Yes. You're married. So are you. Yeah. (laughs) Both of us are happily married to our um, spouses. And, you know, do you have an equality in your, you know, in your marriage or do you head over shell? Oh, absolutely. The Bible says wives submit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So anybody who knows my wife knows that that if I was to say such a thing, I might be dreaming a little bit. So, yes, the Bible does say that, you know, Dukes talks about husbands loving their wives, um, wives submitting to their husbands and so forth. And really what you've got to find here is, you know, because a lot of husbands will, will, you know, particularly in the past and in different cultures that we've had in the past and even in some of the cultures that we have in the world today in some areas of the world, you'll find that there are situations where um, husbands will read the first part of Ephesians and not the second part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the key here is that a husband is required by God to love his wife so much he's prepared to give his life mm. for her. That's mm. a lot. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. So what's interesting is you go down through this particular passage and I'm going to be controversial once again. It's just mm. one of those one of those mornings. But let me let me let me begin by asking a question: Can an evil person use truth to be abusive? To use truth? Yeah, well, they can absolutely. absolutely because we see that in the Christian church. In we so see it many all the ways. time. Does it make the truth wrong when an evil person abuse, abuses the truth? Yeah, well, he should. Yeah, he, should, he shouldn't be abusing the truth. No, it makes in, the person any, wrong. Absolutely, but does it make but, the truth wrong? No, not the truth at all. Yeah. 
That's Ab- that's my point. Absolutely. It doesn't make the truth wrong, but it's the behaviour that the person is having and that they're actually using it to um, to as, as a power play and as authority yes. over the person. And that's unfortunately what we see. And, you know, and as we were saying yesterday, so it's the cultural backgrounds and our upbringing and our ed- educational backgrounds, just a gamut of things that influence this rather than going, Hey, let's put all of that aside. And what is Paul saying here? What is the Bible saying? What is God saying to me? How is God convicting my heart and my mind in this space? Because we've got to be completely open to the impression of the Holy Spirit upon us. And if we are not open to us, then we will actually go and interpret scripture in every way that we want to interpret it for ourselves and not the way that it's meant for us. And this is a really classic example. In fact, you know, and I was just saying this, you know, I said to Lawson on Monday when we started unpacking this, that that it's a passage I love because it's so, you know, there's so much controversy in this space about how people see that. But I've actually got, in verse 23, I've actually circled, you know, so many things and then I've gone, wow, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. <laughs> I'm just right? looking across at your Bible and there is uh, no space left in your margins. <laughs> That's it. I love to write in my Bible. But hey, let's keep unpacking too with that about the bride of Christ. So yesterday we actually looked. Yeah, before you go there, before you there's one more thought I want to I want to draw. Take in. it away. Yeah. Okay. Because what I'm establishing here is that um, an evil person Yo. can use a good thing to be abusive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Paul in this passage is in many ways outlining the difference, the, the different needs that men and women have. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about he talks a lot about husbands loving their wives, oh, doesn't he? Yes. He talks a lot about wives respecting their husbands. Yes. Okay. So th- this brings up the whole issue of you know, love and respect, and the problem with that is there has been a bunch of husbands out there, and this has been you know gone on for forever, who have used this passage to gaslight. Yes. It doesn't make love and respect wrong. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that, generally speaking, a woman needs more love and a man needs more respect in a relationship for it to work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make those things wrong. What is wrong is when you use those to gaslight your spouse. Yes. So I just wanted to put that out there yeah. because, you know, it's kind of in a weird way become controversial mm-hmm. in Christian circles and you talk about love and respect and suddenly it's like, oh, that's abuse. No, abuse mm-hmm. is when you do the wrong thing mm-hmm. and uh, we have to realise that, you know, we these are generalisations because, you know, every every human being is different. So that was just my uh, little absolutely. rant Absolutely, and here's the natural thing. God's designed us because God is love and when we put love into another person automatically, and I remember reading, and you know, reading a book several years back called Love and Respect. It's actually written by, is it Gary Chapman? He's re- written the five love languages. I think he wrote that book too. Just a fabulous book called Love and Respect. But, that there's but a this- lot of people really, really diss that book these days because they're like, oh, you know, because, you know, so many men have read the book and then used it to say to their wives, that, you yeah, have to respect yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's right, with what you were just saying with the gas line. It but doesn't make the principle wrong it makes the people wrong absolutely i love what you're saying with that and 100 and here's the thing though that if that love is given to the wife there's a natural 
automatic respect. It becomes a mutual thing, which is why then also this thing about submission that we've been unpacking, it becomes a, a mutual submission one to the other. One doesn't lord over the other. One, you know, it's about being sacrificial just like Christ voluntarily gave himself. And that's why then here, with you know, Paul, he actually says about the church as a bride of Christ. Yesterday we unpacked the fact that, you know, Christ loves the church as a bride, that he also gives himself as a bride price that you know there's a price that in the ancient times was actually paid for for the bride and that Jesus himself paid the biggest price ever gave himself that he ba- you know bathes his bride that he speaks for the word and so we're going to unpack it further today and I know you've got some really great points about what used to happen in the ancient weddings because we're actually going to unpack some of those points today and one of the key things is that he actually you know Paul actually says here and it, and the Bible tells us that Christ presents the bride to himself now in the ancient times the bride would actually be given away by the best man or the father and never by the groom but here Christ is saying that he himself is the one that's going to give um, you know, the bride, which is cr- the church away. And it's, you know, to that marriage to him. But, you know, what, what are those, some of your points there about the ancient weddings that you've Yeah. So if you look at a first century, um, Jewish wedding, there was a process, a four, basically a 14 step process that took place. And some of it is really, really remarkable. Wow. 14. 14 steps. So yeah, if you, uh, so Lawson, you want to have a, a first century Jewish wedding, listen up. Um, this is how it's going to, I'm locked in. Work. I'm locked in lie. You guys said you were happily <laughs> married earlier. I was just like kind of nodding in the corner like yeah okay i'm, I'm in I'm, I'm ready to listen ready. <laughs> all right so here's where it starts here's where tell me how you feel about this one okay so you starts with the betrothal which is kind of like the engagement where the husband prepares a marriage contract for his wife and her father <laughs> and what he then has to do is compensate the father for the cost of raising the wife wow there you go yeah. compensate the father so compensation there lawson <laughs> um and when you look at that and you consider it in the context of the church being the bride of Christ, Jesus paid for us in full on the cross. In full. Yes. Absolutely in full. And that's why the betrothal, which is that engagement, isn't it? It's, an, it's like a formal engagement really. Yes. Betrothal. And so that engagement, when does that really happen for us? Because, you know, in many ways it's actually the time when we give our hearts to Jesus and we say, Lord, I want you in my life, isn't it? That's the engagement that we're talking about here too. And then we're moving into this whole marriage ceremony. Okay, so that's first step. Second step is this. If the father agrees, right, so he prepares the contract. If the father agrees, then the groom pours a cup of grape juice for his prospective wife. So this is a a symbolic. He pours her a cup of grape juice. Mm. And what that was to symbolize is that, he would give his own blood, his life to protect her. Wow, there's that whole sacrificial thing that That's Paul right. is talking about. Husbands, ben, love your wives was, as Christ loved the church right. and gave himself for it. Oh, beautiful, powerful stuff. All right, if she drinks it, they're engaged. Wow. So that's the sign of engagement. Yes, the sign of engagement. There you go. Um, And interestingly, from that particular point, if they were going to separate, unlike modern engagements, it actually required a legal divorce. Even though they weren't married. Even though they're not married. Anyway, um, the man would then leave. He leaves the home, um, declaring that he was going to his father's house where he is going to prepare a room for her. 
Because that's where she then moves in after right. the wedding. So the wedding happens at the groom's place. Yes. And, um, and, and we're going to touch shortly what happens with the bride and how she gets there and everything. But the thing is, that is where then they end up living after the marriage. That's their new home. Yeah. So he goes to his father's house to prepare a place for her. Wow. Ever read that anywhere else in the Bible? John mm-hmm. chapter 14 coming mm-hmm. to mind? Anyway, um, he would build, a, he, he then builds a honeymoon suite um, adjacent to his father's um, house, um, and he had to have um, his father's approval that he had done a good enough job. It had to be quality work. In fact, often the whole town would turn up to decide whether he had done a good enough job of building the honeymoon suite. Now, Lawson, if you're going to get married, are you going to get your whole church to come and approve or your whole community that you live in to come and approve? <laughs> the building that you have built for your bride. Well, thankfully, like my family, like my my dad is like a, a boiler maker slash builder slash everything. Yes. And then right. my two brother-in-laws are like also like mechanics and refrigeration mechanics <laughs> and builders go. and bricklayers. So I got the hookup. I got the family hookup. We're all going to build this house there together. There you go. So. <laughs> All right, while, cool. while, 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 yeah. while the groom is doing that, yeah. the bride wears a veil. Wears a veil while yeah, he's that's, doing that's, that. That's, that's, that's to establish the bro code that she has. She is off the market. And is that a continual thing? Until until the bridegroom comes So that's back. interesting because in our case these days, if we want to modernise it, it's the engagement ring. Yeah, that's Isn't right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. she wears a veil. I, I wouldn't means want to be wearing a veil around the place when I'm no, going right, to the driving, shops. We're driving nuts. <laughs> um, but she wears that so that it tells all the other guys she's off the market, don't go there. Um and she had and, and it tells it tells the other guys that she's been bought with a price. Right. Yeah. Jesus a, bought us with a price. Yes. Jesus yeah. did bring us bought, buy us with a price. But she has to wait. She has to wait for the bridegroom mm-hmm. to return because he's away building the house mm-hmm. and nothing's going to happen until the bridegroom comes. So she's she's back there waiting for the bridegroom mm-hmm. to come back. She's wearing a veil. She's off the market. And she doesn't know when he's coming back. Wow. Isn't that just such a great analogy to us waiting for the second coming of Christ, yeah. knowing that there's signs that will point to his coming, but we don't know the hour or the time when he will come. Only the Father knows that. Okay. And this is really interesting because the Father had to approve the honeymoon suite, and so only the Father knew the date of the wedding. Ah, yeah. Interesting. Only there the Father knew when the bridegroom there's would come the back. Links. Isn't that powerful? That's yeah. so fabulous. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But our last quiz question for today is David's David's soldier, Shamar, had single-handedly defended a field of what kind of legumes? Yes, believe it or not, legumes are mentioned in the Bible. They're all good for us, but here we go. David's soldier, Shamar, had single-handedly defended a field of what kind? kind of legumes if you know the answer text us in on 0491-064-669 text us your answers you'll go into the draw for friday that happens at quarter to nine and the two books that you can win is a thought on the mount of blessings and a thoughtful prayer a day that number again is 0491-064-669 we're unpacking the church as the bride of christ where paul actually covers in ephesians 5 about wives submitting to their husband and therefore just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husband and in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has 
loved the church and gave himself for her. Lyle, we were, we're up to only number six and you've got quite a few more of some of the listings of the ancient weddings and some of the processes that they had to go through with that and how it also links to Christ and the second coming. Let's keep unpacking some more of those because they're just fabulous. What have you got? Yeah, so we're just talking about how that the father had to approve the building of the uh, honeymoon suite before the son could get married. And so, you know, if the if the son was ever asked, you know, what's the date of the wedding, his reply would be, only my father knows. Mm, that's right. Yeah. All the time. Okay. Number seven is the bride was never given the date. Wow. So the bridegroom would leave. She'd put the veil on, so she's off the market. Yeah. But then she's never given the date of the wedding. Now, that would be shocking for a female these days because they, oh, be <laughs> be str- <laughs> they go shopping for their dresses and try this and that and get the fittings for the bridesmaids and everything else. So, um, I mean, that'd have to be – so that's really interesting because they have to be ready at any time, really. That's, that's right. the thing. She and- had to be – Dressed to perfection and beautiful all the time because at any time the groom could turn up and it's like, hey, it's wedding day. Wow. And, that, and it's just like, go. There you go. What an interesting analogy again to us you know, having to be ready all the time for Jesus' second coming, hey? Yes. Next one. Okay, so when he did turn up, he would announce his presence with a shout and a trumpet blast. Oh. So he would stand outside. He wouldn't go and knock on the door. He would stand outside. He would call out to his bridegroom and then he'd let blast on a trumpet. That was the procedure that was to be followed. And you can imagine if you're the bride inside the house and suddenly you hear the trumpet blast, you hear your name being called, it's like, it's wedding day. It's It's happening. It's wedding day. And I wonder how long he would have to wait until she actually got changed into her actual wedding outfit or so. So she she did have time to to do that. She did have time to do that. But again, First Thessalonians come to my mind, you know, where where, where, where Paul says, you know, First Thessalonians, that when Christ comes, he'll come with a shout, with the trumpet of the archangels, you know, and every eye will see him. What's our next one? Okay, so this is when, of course, the uh, bridesmaids get assembled as well. Uh-huh. But while that is taking place, the groom has a small pre-wedding party at the bride's house with the bride's family. Wow. So he goes in, he sits down with the bride's family. All the bridesmaids are getting themselves ready. Um, the bride is probably, you know, getting herself uh, more ready than what she already was. She had to be ready at any time, but she's getting more ready. And, uh, and and they sit down and have a pre-wedding party in the bride's house. And the interesting thing is it meant they would have had to have food in the house for a feast all the time as well as her being ready yes. all the time. Yes. There you go. Okay, so the bridesmaids would then accompany the couple to the groom's house. Yes. So you've got the groom, the bride, and all of the bridesmaids that accompany uh, them to the, you know, which reminds you of the story of the ten virgins because Absolutely. the bridegroom gets delayed and he turns up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the... And five are ready and five are not yeah. ready, absolutely. And, of course, yep. you know, when they would actually then parade, you know, um, to, to, the, to the groom's house, you know, with this whole ceremony, wouldn't they? That's right. Okay, so they go to the groom's house. They'd all party for the next seven days. Uh, a wedding was seven days long. And uh, they would wait outside of the honeymoon suite. No, no pressure there. Um, but there were also bouncers um, or doorkeepers who would keep away any gate crashes that had not arrived with the bride and the groom. There you go. That's right. It has to be in that. 
If you wanted to be at the wedding, you had to arrive with the bride and the groom. If you come in later, you can knock on that door all day long. You're not getting let in. And there are actually bouncers who were set up there to make sure that nobody gate crashed the wedding. And again, that analogy of the door will be shut to those who have not given their heart to Jesus and followed his ways. Okay, so this one is really um, interesting and a little bit spicy, somewhat controversial in today's world. But virginity was highly valued. Yes, absolutely. That was a huge thing because it represented purity and holiness, didn't it? In, that's right. In every way, it pointed to Jesus with the purity and holiness. Um, and that's why he also says, you know, for the church to be pure as well, you know, because it represents the bride. Okay, so after the deed was done, mm. uh, it was the groom's job to show proof of her virginity in blood. Wow. That's confronting. I'm glad I didn't live in that time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, here's, here's where it gets spicy. If she had lied mm-hmm. about her virginity, mm-hmm. he had the right to divorce her. Straight away. Straight away. Boom. If she'd lied about it. There you go. But if she had lied about it and he wanted to remain married to her, there was there was a way that he could do that, and the way that what that the, the way that that happened was that he had to open one of his own veins, and give his own blood, own blood. to redeem her from her Power. lack of virginity. Powerful. So hey. it was the groom who would give his blood for the impure wife. Wow! And when you think of how Christ shed his blood. For, for us, us as sinners, and you think of the book of Hosea, and we can hardly know. we can hardly lay claim to being oh, a virgin bride. Absolutely. But here's the thing: when when the groom gave his blood, she was then considered to be a virgin bride. A virgin bride, isn't that beautiful? Such a powerful thing, and we are under yes. Christ because we're clothed in the righteousness of uh, robe of righteousness in Christ. You know, and so our sins are covered as pure as snow. You know, as white as snow. Okay, the last day of the wedding, the seventh day of the wedding, that was where the main marriage supper took place. That was where the main supper took place. That's the main marriage supper right Mm. there, the seventh day. And again, interesting that it was on the seventh day, hey, because in the Bible, seven seven represents completion. And when we think of creation, everything was created, and then on the seventh day was the Sabbath, excuse me, the Sabbath day where there was the rest, and but that's the whole new recreation then also happens. And so just a beautiful picture there of the analogy in every way. And that's why understanding uh, the ancient times and, and what is actually written in the Bible is so crucial, isn't it, Lyle? So- it is. And I love this process because it's a process that it's not cheap. In no. any way. There is commitment. Huge price. Huge commitment all the way through. The the, the 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 groom has to go and build a house. Yeah, the bride has to be ready every day. Mm. Um, there, the groom has to pay the the bride's father for the cost of mm. raising her. Mm-hmm. There is sacrifice here all the way through. And then, of course, if there is the issue of virginity, the the groom has to purchase the the bride's virginity yes. with his own blood with his own blood you know all the way all the way through here what you've got is is a process whereby you're never going to flippantly get married to anybody no, this is going right. to be a serious process and it's going to involve a long 
commitment of time and energy and effort mm. to marry this person. And what it was, in many ways, it was a it was a protection against people like, yeah, we love each other, we're going to yes. get married, and just running off and getting married and then suddenly realising they've made a terrible mistake. Yeah, no, in every way. Hey, isn't that powerful? And so, so, much, so much more commitment than what we have in today's world. Absolutely. Your commitment is almost like gone and doesn't exist anymore. Absolutely. But. And we want to encourage each one of us and a challenge to each one of us, including ourselves here today, that we really commit our lives to Jesus Christ because he has paid the price and he has bought you and you are covered. Your sins are covered as white as snow. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And it's come time for us to give our answers to our quiz questions. Um, and if they've been coming in thick and fast, which is just fabulous to see, given that yesterday we're so sorry once again that they weren't coming through. We received them today, but we have noted them for you to go into the draw, as well as some of the comments we've been having. But, you know, our first one was, who, who said much learning is driving you mad? The answer is Festus. Now, Festus was a governor, um, a Roman governor who followed after Felix and he actually wanted to send Paul to, uh, to trial in Jerusalem. And, you know, he was saying to, to Paul, you're, you are going mad. You know, you're basically learning too much. And of course, Paul was a huge, um, you know, a, a t- teacher of the law and, and, and of Christ because not only because of his conversion, but because he was a real studier as, him, as, as well himself. And so our second one here is fill in the blanks. Let the, the answers were words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. That was Psalms 19 verse 14. That is such a fabulous, fabulous verse. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Of course, David, um, you know, in so many of his Psalms uh, just has this beautiful thing of uh, his converted heart. He says also, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. Um, because, you know, of, he, of what he did with Bathsheba and he repented of his ways and wanted to be. And even just God calls him a man after his own heart. Thankfully, that's the beautiful thing. Number three, as the newly appointed leader who was Joshua supposed to cross with the people, it was the Jordan River. I've been down there. Number four, according to De- Deuteronomy 19.5, where could they get protection if they were actually killed? Um, another work, and it was in the sanctuary city or the city of refuge. Any of those answers would have been um, good, of course. And the last one is David's soldier, Shema, had single-handedly defended a field of what kind of legumes? And the answer is Lentils. Yeah, Somebody, really, really yeah. like lentils. <laughs> you gotta really like lentils. I'm a real lentil fan, but there we go. You know, lentils were also in, um, in the Bible as well. We've got here also just some text messages to read. We've got one from Braden that says, these school counselors are pure evil. When God comes back, they will be held accountable for the results of their accusations. Children are children and they need to be protected for these predators. Because this is all they are. I think I read that one earlier, didn't I? I've just realised that one. I'm so sorry. I've, I've scrolled down too far. We've actually gone another one here. Morning, Brecky team. The veil is only worn on the day of the wedding. If so, wonder what that might point to 
in prophetic time. Interesting. Yeah, it's an um, interesting question, that one. And when you look at the history of the wedding veil, I mean, women veiling their faces is found in lots of different cultures, yes. Hindus, in Islam. You know, there's lots of different cultures where you find it. But it was in Jewish tradition where you find that the bride veils her face. And that goes back a very, very long way. And the original origins of it within Christianity, because you find it in Christian mm. weddings, um, comes from Judaism. But that goes back as far as Rebecca. Mm. When Rebecca came to meet Isaac, Isaac. Uh, before she was married to Isaac, she veiled her face. Yes, and so it's this is a this is a really really old tradition, it's right? Like three right and a half thousand, there. four thousand years old thereabouts, and uh, and it comes down. The, the question here then is okay. What's the what's this what's the uh, what's the analogy here with the veiling of the face? And I don't know. I don't. I don't know either. But I'm interested. No, I'm interested. I, I, I wonder because the thing is, there's this thing, and even these days, a lot of the we- um, brides aren't wearing veils, wearing veils even at all. They, you know, at all. I remember though when I lifted it, you know, for for Keith to give me the kiss. Yes. He accidentally. And all the cameras start he, going he's off. He's going to go like, "Dal, don't say this," but I'm going to. He accidentally put it down. You know, back down again. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just a nice breaking moment for all of us. But again, for me, that signified, "Hey, this is." When I lift that up, this is the ceiling of our marriage is through that kiss as well. And I loved yeah. that. You know, that for me, that's what it signified in that moment anyway. So it's special. I'm going to say something right there too about it. But mm. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say that um, it has come in and out of fashion. It most recently came back into fashion when Queen Victoria wore a veil. So it was, wow, it was, it was kind of out of fashion a bit before then. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of going out of fashion again. But, you know, you had it your wedding. up. We, we had it at our wedding and uh, it was nice. Yeah, lovely. Hey, look, we've got one little quick last one. How is our mate Blake doing? Where is he and he, will he ever be back on the Brecky show? Um, yeah, Blake, Blake's doing well. He's back. He's taken a two-year uh, break from ministry and he's getting married soon. So, Wow, congratulations Blake. to him. There we go. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. Don't tune out because we've got some special shows throughout the day. Of course, Taz Encounters come on. We've also got Drive Time coming on as well and some other fabulous shows. And if you're listening on the podcast, you can actually go back and actually tap onto the different shows. A lot of people are actually letting us know that they're loving that, that they, they don't actually have any of the, the live programs cutting out because if it's on the podcast, they can be listening all the time. That's the fabulous thing. But, hey, we've got our gift coming up for today. This one, of course, you've got to be really quick. We're going to give you the number because on Monday, Day, we had people texting in straight away and people missed out and this one's really important so that here get your phones ready 0491064669 all you have to do is text in the word book and we'll actually give you this free book it is called effective marriage by nancy van pelt it's the world-renowned family life expert gives her top topics for the successful marriage if you want to have a successful marriage or if you want to start reading on that so that when you start getting engaged and proposing to somebody you want that or you want to give it to a gift to somebody text us in just the word book and you can actually receive that today again that number is zero four nine one. 064669. Hey, Lyle, thank you so much for coming in today. We're excited. I think you're coming in one more time this week. We're looking forward to I think I'll be here tomorrow. Tomorrow. Exciting. So be listening again tomorrow. And just remember that in every way possible to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. <laughs>